everyone, it's Yuli here. I'm your host today, and today I'm talking to Dylan Scheiman. He's the CEO of Sitepen. They're a 100% remote company with 40 plus employees, and they've been around the block for quite a while. So three things you should definitely learn from today's conversation is you will learn how Sitepen are dealing with communication in their remote environment, which communication is usually one of the biggest challenges in a remote team, and how they create a great company culture. You'll hear about many tools we use to actually run their remote team day to day, and you'll hear what helps Dylan and Sitepen to strike the right work-life balance in a remote environment to actually make it work long-term for himself and for the company. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Did I spell right your last name? <laughs> you definitely said it right. I mean, I get a lot of mispronunciations and I often even type it myself. So it's good to hear it correct for a change. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could just maybe start giving a bit more context about yourself. Maybe you can share what's your role and what the Sitepen does. Sure. So I'm the CEO at SitePen. We're a web application consulting company with an emphasis on JavaScript and TypeScript. We were founded in 2000, so you know many, many years ago in the internet days. And our focus is on helping people build very complex applications or solving really thorny enterprise problems. Um, we work with some of the largest and most interesting companies around the world. And uh, in 2007, we made the decision to go 100% remote, which was pretty unusual at the time, but we've been doing that for nearly 11 years now and really enjoying it. Yeah, it completely was unusual that time. Right now, it's much more usual. And, and where in the world are you right now also, just to maybe put some perspective on location for people listening in? We were primarily based in the US and in the UK um, with our team, uh, and the we're a team of uh, somewhere between 30 and 40 people, um, mostly software engineers, some project managers, uh, designers, operations, um, business development, that sort of mix. Uh, we're a very technical organization, so we, you know, really our strong point is our expertise with JavaScript and helping people solve really interesting problems. So, you know, from a from a logistical perspective, we're spread across roughly eight hours of time zones. So the UK kind of leads the way at GMT or GMT plus one, depending on the time of year. And then kind of our latest time zone is the Pacific time zone, which trails by seven or eight hours, depending on daylight savings time and all those good things. Mm -hmm. And uh, why did you go remote? As you said, it was pretty unusual around <laughs> 2007. Well, what was the motives or maybe the, like, the reasons why you said, hey, like, let's go fully 100% remote? Yeah, there were there's sort of three factors. One is we're pretty big advocates of open source software development. And we were working with a number of engineers throughout the world on Dojo at the time and realized that that was going quite well, even though we had teammates in Europe and Japan and all over that we rarely saw in person. Uh, the second thing was we would go into the office every day and we would kind of put our headphones on and try to ignore each other to try to get our work done. Um, you know, engineering is a very, it's in many ways, a very isolating experience, right? You, yeah, you is, can yeah. pair and you can talk through things, but at some point you got to sit down and actually write code and you need focus to do that. And then the third factor was we were wanting to hire some engineers who didn't feel like relocating to the San Francisco Bay area. And so we thought this would be a really interesting thing to do. We could save time on commuting. We could hire people wherever they are. And, but we felt like it wouldn't work well unless everyone was doing it remotely. Um, and the reason for that was we felt like 
too many things sort of get discussed impromptu or in person that, you know, if you're, if you have half the team on site, half the team on off site, you have to be really deliberate to make sure you capture all that information or else they're at a disadvantage by working remotely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, definitely hiring our people like from different places. I think that's a huge benefit because if you have like just an office, then, uh, unless you want to hire one person remotely, as I said, it sounds like it will create lots of problems. Yeah, it gives this great advantage. Absolutely. Definitely. And how do you handle your time zone difference? As you mentioned, you guys are in the USA and partially in the UK, so you have a decent amount of time difference. I know most of my team has a different time difference, and I have some things which I'm doing to really kind of overcome this challenge of time zone difference. But what do you guys do in the company to help grip the gap, the communication? Yeah. So there's a, a few things we learned along the way. The first was working from home, yeah, you, you have flexibility in your schedule, but it doesn't mean you should work hours when no one else is around. So we had one engineer who was a great engineer, but his preferred work time was something like after dinner until the middle of the night. And that wasn't really very effective because it, it meant, you know, Anytime you had something to discuss, it was a couple day turnaround, and that wasn't ideal, obviously. Discovered was if you're disciplined, you know, there are times where you need to have overlap in talking through things. So if you sort of cluster that, for us, that ends up being roughly 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific time. The idea is if everyone can be around for that three hour block of time each day, then we pretty much know hey, we can have all of our meetings we need to have during that block of time. We have maximum overlap. We know that's a good time of day to just ask questions and talk through things. And then we also are quite good at sort of documenting all of our decisions. We use Slack. Before that, we used Jabber. We use an issue tracking system. We use Google Docs. You know, obviously, the, the technology may have evolved over the years, but really the written word and writing down what you're doing and why you're doing it and communicating clearly is, I mean, it's important in any business, but it's even more important in a remote business. And the interesting thing is with our clients who have not worked remotely, when they work with us, they're like, you guys are such great communicators. You, you know, you capture all of these details all the time. And our response is kind of, we, we have to, right? It, it's the only way we feel we can keep sane um, with knowing what's going on and, you know, being able to share information. And it's really great. Say someone's out for a week, right? In a traditional work environment, they might spend a week catching up on what was said and what was done, and they might still miss things. And at SitePen, if you're out for a week, you go and you read a few tickets and you read a few documents, and within an hour or two, you should be back up to speed with where things are. And that's a real time saver for us. Mm -hmm. I, I want to strengthen the communication part. I talk to different CEOs from our companies and other people, and it comes again and again. Like, if you want to have a good remote company, you need to not just communicate, over-communicate, um, and just really be a great yep. communicator and a great, I guess, documenter as well to really be able to catch up easily. So how, if a developer, for example, still wants to work uh, at night because that's when they're most productive, and I have a few developers that, that do it, mm -hmm. um, do you just tell them, like, hey, be around those three hours and rest of the time? Like, how do, do you tell them to structure their day? Yeah, I mean, we it's a little more nuanced than that, but basically there's a, a range of hours and we ask you to be around on average a percentage of those hours. So, you know, the idea is we want to be able to chat about things as they come up without being intrusive. Um, and then beyond that, you know, work whenever you want or whenever you're feeling most productive. You know, the goal is, you know, you've got 
obligations to your team and to our clients that you're trying to work through. And, and above all else, we want you to get those things done. Um, and we want you to, you know, be part of the team. And, and what does that mean? Right. It really means like being around enough that you're, you know, able to share experiences and learn from each other and, and have important discussions that come up at times. Yeah. So it's, it's finding that right balance between being available and being not interrupted. And that's, that's a good challenge at times. That makes complete sense. And, and how do you structure a day? Like as the CEO, since you also need to navigate different <laughs> time zones and people, do you have like some sort of structure which you follow? Yeah. So I'm based in Arizona, which does not observe daylight savings time. So it's kind of weird because it means twice a year when everyone else shifts to daylight savings time or away from it, all of my meeting offsets change by an hour. Oh, it's happened um, to me as well. So I'm, yeah, I'm in Mexico. Arizona's, yeah, right. So Arizona is a particularly hot place, apparently for you as well. <laughs> and that means mornings are the best time of day in Arizona in the summer. You know, typically 3 to 6 a.m. is kind of the only time you really want to be outside unless you're swimming or something like that. So I tend to start my days around 4 a.m., which is uh, something I only started doing when I moved here. Um, I get up, I, you know, I have a light breakfast, I'm reading through things, kind of checking in with the team that's in the UK because they're up and running and, and seeing if they have anything they want to discuss or whatnot. And then I'll typically make my way to the gym for an hour or so, you know, kind of a, a fast and furious workout a little bit after that. And then I have three kids, so kind of get them off to school on a school day. And then um, sort of the second wave of work starts around, you know, 7.30 or 8 a.m. when when the rest of the company kind of wakes up and, and rolls around. Uh, and then I tend to work until about four or five in the afternoon with a lunch break or, you know, a couple breaks here and there. And then by five o'clock, I pretty much close my office door and don't come back until the next day. Because otherwise, what I find is working from home, you could spend your entire day and night and, you know, entire existence working. And it's important to have at least some time where you've kind of left the office and, and detached a bit. Yeah, I, I like this balance. Most people don't really shut off exactly at five. And to be honest, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. <laughs> Do you have anything else which uh, or you just really structured and know like 5 p.m., you close the computer and that's it? I, yeah, I mean, I, I leave the computer open, but I close the office door and I don't come back in until the next day unless, I mean, sure, if there's an emergency, I'll pop in, but that's really rare. And the reason for that, you know, for me, it's as simple as just having a separate space that is kind of the office versus not the office, because otherwise it's kind of the same problem people have with their mobile phones and say the Facebook app, right? It, it's difficult to detach. And so having that barrier really helps. I have my phone set up to not give me Slack notifications after a certain time and, and so on. Again, it's just, Hey, if there's something really urgent, I'll look, or if I'm bored, I'll look, but otherwise I'm going to try and, you know, disconnect so that I'm fresher the next day when I come back to work. I completely support. I have a similar perspective, like something I'm doing, I actually don't have any Slack on my phone and I tell anyone who, who is working with me, mm -hmm. like actually not to use Slack on the phone. I think it's pretty counterproductive because you can really do productive work on Slack. It's going to be very shallow communication and then it's also easy to forget things because if you read something and then you jump in the computer later it can be missed so i kind of personally don't really support uh, in general working on the phone <laughs> i think it's just healthier to do it on the computer and just get your work done there there's two reasons i do keep it on the phone one is there's the voice calls with slack which can often be nicer to take on your phone with a headset so that it doesn't take up space on your computer while you're talking and the second is 
I do quite a bit of traveling for SitePen. And so there's a lot of downtime sort of when you've boarded an airplane or when you're standing in line and when you're, um, you know, you could just use some light information or quickly go through things. And that time is really great for kind of quickly answering questions or, or looking at things. So there's, there's sort of, it fills dead time, but most of the day I'm not looking at my phone with regards to Slack. That's good. Those are some good habits. Uh, yeah, what I do, I, I just listen to podcasts as much as I can when I'm traveling and moving around. Sometimes I'm guilty as well, mm-hmm. going to Slack, checking emails, but uh, I find it gives me good balance, kind of, especially as I'm traveling as well. Well, that's great. Yeah, the best thing you can do is really know yourself and know your organization. Sure. So, I mean, in the CEO role of a you know a relatively close knit organization, you know, one of your jobs is to kind of unblock people, right? And so, sure, like a coach for people. A lot of my time. Yeah, exactly. So if anything I can do, like if I see a message from someone and they're struggling with something and I can offer some guidance or I can answer a question so they can make a decision, you know, that, that's a win, right? So I, I try to use it for that. And sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, a yes or no answer or a, hey, have you considered this thing and finding a link? And those are the kinds of things that work well in mobile. Having a, you know, 500 thread message discussion is not what you want to be doing on your phone on a daily basis. <laughs> I, I can't agree more. I hope anyone listens. <laughs> Don't do it. It's counterproductive. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I thought we can delve a, a bit into maybe the culture. You guys are around for a pretty long time. So, I mean, in order to be that long, I'm yep. sure you have some interesting culture, If especially you're remote for 11 years. So I'm curious to know any thing which you're doing kind of to improve the culture from perspective you're also working remotely? Yeah, I mean, you find that one of the things you do miss kind of that human element. So we do things to try to replicate that. So, you know, things as simple as on Slack, having a room that's the lounge, which is just a place to discuss random stuff to, um, you know, when it's someone's birthday or when it's someone's kid's birthday, you know, sending them some a cake in the mail or a gift or something small to, you know, help them remind them that they're part of the team. Um, we also do occasionally have offsite retreats. It's kind of funny to say offsite since they're all offsite. But the last time was two summers ago, we went to Big Sky, Montana, and we it's a ski resort, but we went there in the summer and we went rafting and mountain biking and climbing and ziplining oh. and just spent a week together completely disconnecting and just having fun. And um, we try to do that every other year just to, because there is, you know, benefit of the human element that you miss. And then of course we go to conferences and things like that and, and catch up, but the kind of every other year trip, which we call site pen unplugged gives us the chance to just hang out and keep those human you know relationships going and keep that strong. Yeah, like in the end of the day, it's always coming down like the human interactions. When you're working remotely, those are real people <laughs> behind the screen. And it's sometimes easy to forget, right. I guess, for me as well. And yeah, everything you said is uh, spot on, specifically like the face-to-face. It's so important. Yes. One thing that's interesting is we never we never interview people in person. We always, the, the idea is we don't want to bias our interview process by how someone dresses or how they talk in person or what they look like or anything like that. And so we do our entire interview process remote based on merit. And then, you know, we meet our team after we've worked with them for a while, which is pretty interesting and, and pretty unique, I think. It, it is. Yeah. I never interviewed someone in process as well in person. Yeah. 
And what would be your interview process if you mention it? Like, uh, are you doing it just like through video? Do you just like a chat? Uh, how would you go interviewing someone to join in? Yeah, it, it depends on the, the job role, but say it's for an engineer. Um, the first step is a code activity that you can do on your own time. So basically we say you have three hours to solve this problem that is representative of what your work is. So it's not, you know, crazy algorithms or um, something that's not practical. It's a very practical problem, but one that people probably haven't done before. And the idea is to see what kind of engineer the person is under mild pressure, but in the context of their home, because this is what the work environment's like. And assuming they, they do well on that, the second step is a live code activity that's much simpler, but the idea is basically there to, to see how someone thinks. And so what we ask them to do is basically explain the solution as they're working on it and talk through it with us. And, you know, it's not a impossible problem. It, you know, it's maybe a 20 or 30 minute problem. And then the third phase is a voice call uh, with two or three people from our team and them. And it's a back and forth discussion it's a mix of tech and culture and answering their questions and just kind of seeing what the person's like. And if all those things go through fine, then we make an offer. And so, you know, for the right candidate, all of that can happen in the span of a week or less and, and just kind of, you know, get someone um, on the team pretty quickly if they're ready to start. And, um, you know, if, if they feel as happy to join the team as we are to have them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sounds uh, pretty straight. Yeah, uh, I know many people are using Zoom, yeah. you have so many tools to do it, uh, and you don't have to meet a person. And and from a technical perspective, how do you onboard someone right now? I know it's so different when when you go to an office. Do you have like some process or things you do when you want to onboard someone? We've actually been told we have the best orientation program that people have ever oh. seen, which is interesting because it. you usually <laughs> think of that being not something, right? So it's very much, we've got a lot of information that we have people read and work through. We've got a mentoring program. So when a new engineer joins, they, you know, mentor under someone else or with someone else. They can do some pair programming. They kind of get to see all the different facets of the business and the representative type of work. They might, you know, start out doing some open source work or they might be an understudy on a customer project where they're helping the team out and learning as they go. And then once our team and the engineer feels ready to sort of you know, that they're fully spun up and, and ready to go, then we, you know, start putting them on things of increasing importance and go from there. So, you know, each person's different, but a typical experience is anywhere from two to six weeks to kind of go through that process, depending on, you know, what we're expecting them to do first and what they need to learn and, and, and so forth. But there's um, just a very good structured approach that most organizations simply don't have. I agree. I want to strengthen the documentation part, something you mentioned before, because in the end of the day, when you have great documentation, it can be used for any new person joining your team from an onboarding perspective and also current right. team members, like if you want to catch up or stuff like this. So the better documentation you have, it will just help. Like I know we use like a tool called Doco Wiki. It's just a free tool. It's kind of we dump uh, mm -hmm. processes, ideas, Ideas, really anything. So right now I notice as well, like when a new person joins in, it's so much faster just to go there because everything is documented. And I think that makes a huge difference. Right, exactly. And I'm wondering, since you're doing it for a while, let's say there is a company which is struggling to work remotely, doesn't, it's not able to do it well. Do would you have like uh, free tips for someone in such a position that actually wants to 
work 100% remotely and do it better? I think we've covered on some of them, right? Basically, having a good approach to documentation and communication is key. Having good communication tools to support that is key. And, and really just looking for things in your process that aren't working and, and figuring out how to solve them. Maybe it's the fact that your team hasn't met. Maybe it's that your team isn't around enough to get her. Maybe you know you jump to meetings too soon. Maybe you don't have enough meetings, right? Each each team and organization is kind of different, so you have to, to be somewhat pragmatic. And then, but you know, fundamentally, it's also about trust, right? If you it is don't company, trust yeah. your, you, you know, if you don't trust your team to be productive, you're probably not doing the right approach, right? So you have to, and you have to instill a culture where people are going, people are going to hold themselves accountable and hold each other accountable. You know, I don't have to chase people down. I can see if they got their stuff done if I need to. Um, but it's pretty rare that I have a situation come up where it's like, hey, this person didn't get anything done. So that, that just doesn't happen because, you know, you can't you can't hide at your cubicle and look busy all week, right? You need to get stuff done and, and produce. And if you're having a rough time, then you say something, right? And and we talk through it and figure out what can be done to, to mitigate the risk, right? But in a in a company that's very transparent and very communicative, um, that trust is there, right? And so you don't beat someone up when they're saying, I'm having a really rough day. <laughs> no. Instead, you say, okay, what can we do to like help you have a better day tomorrow? You know, <laughs> just keeping it positive and, and trustworthy. I agree. Yeah, it comes down partially to some coaching to the people. And one of the things in remote, you see the actual results. Like sometimes you don't see the person in the office. Everyone has their own cubicle. But one of the things you definitely see is in the end of the day is like what results someone is producing. Absolutely. And in fact, it, you know, I once had this project manager at the last company I worked at in person. And then later on, he came and joined our team um, working remotely. And after two months, he said, this job isn't for me. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, my way of knowing that a project is going well is being able to walk around and talk to everyone once or twice a day. And, and that's my style. And I'm like, well, okay, it's great that you recognize that. Is there a way we can replicate that here? And he tried, but he just couldn't come up with a pattern that worked as well. So he ended up leaving and going to a more traditional, you know, in, in-person job. But it was great that he had the self-awareness to realize that, hey, this wasn't the right fit for me I, because that's not my style, right? And so if you're someone that really needs to see and talk to everyone in person every day, obviously remote working isn't going to be the best option for you. Yeah, I think it's, I want to thinking about it, it's more a fit for introverts because you don't need to be around people all day long, but people who crave and need just to talk to five or 10 people today, this may be tough unless you just jump on calls all day long and, as well, but then it will be not specifically for work related, but uh, there is this balance, that's true. Yeah, I think I'm a shy extrovert, which is one of those things that always throws people off, meaning I don't have to be around people and I'm kind of shy in new situations, but I can pretty much talk to anyone and it doesn't drain me. And really for me, I don't like wasting time. I don't like sitting in a car when I don't need to be there in traffic. You know, I used to live in Los Angeles and would spend an hour a day in traffic to go three miles or four miles. And that was just terrible. Um, so, you know, just being able to immediately start doing my thing and start working and not having to be somewhere A at the same time. And to me is a real big win. 
Oh, absolutely. That's a huge win. Like I, I hate commuting as well. And uh, yeah, it's a huge win for anyone. Yeah. Are, there, <laughs> are there any challenges which uh, you think you're experiencing or haven't been really solved when it comes to making sure everyone works remotely? Maybe something you experience or you see maybe, maybe other companies experience? I think people in large cities sometimes struggle with working from home because they don't have as much space. You know, it's not, they're, you know, they're in a, a small, tiny apartment and they don't have a way to get away. And, you know, the answer for them is, let's see if you can do some, you know, a co-working space or somewhere like that to go that's, you know, you're not commuting, but you're not, you know, sort of stuck in a 400 square foot box, you know, your whole life, right? I think that sometimes people forget, hey, let's get on a call and let's talk through this in detail. And, you know, part of that is it's easy to just, chat all day rather than just kind of resolving things with a, you know, a five or 10 minute call. And, you know, I mean, I think there are times when it's like, Hey, I just kind of want to hang out with my team and, and, you know, you can't do that as easily remotely, but you know, that's given all the other benefits of it. I think that's a trade-off worth, you know, accepting. I agree. I agree. We're definitely trade-offs. I just chatted to uh, Richard. He's a marketing manager from Liquid Space. That's a potential solution for people mm -hmm. in big cities. Like they actually allow you to rent an office per hour or per week. I'm sort of promoting them right now. I never use them, but I think actually this can be a great solution for people in big cities if they're working remotely, just for someone to consider. I just want to strengthen the call part. Sometimes I see many that you know we can talk through text and things are not solved, and in five minutes or ten minutes voice call. Like shit gets done basically, <laughs> and like mm -hmm. the voice communication is so missing sometimes as well in text. So definitely, a combining calls I think uh, is so important and easy to miss for anyone. Absolutely, definitely. And what are your must tools gonna in your kit force? Uh, there are so many SaaS solutions. Uh, yeah, we're interesting in that we're we find tools and we're happy with them, but we're always looking for something a little better. And that, and I think that's something you need to do. So you don't, you know, turn into one of those organizations where you've got 10 years of legacy tooling that no one wants to use when they join. Um, so we, right. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like we, you know, something we switched about two years ago from Jabber. Yeah. We switched from Jabber to Slack, which was a great choice, but we didn't know it was a, you know, we didn't, we got so used to Jabber that it was like, what are we missing? And it turned out we were missing a lot of nice integrations. Um, we've been using Redmine for years, customized as like our issue tracking system and, and project management tool. But we've been looking at that recently and saying, is this really the best thing for us? Is it, you know, got the right workflow? And so that may change. Um, we use Google Docs and Google Drive to store, you know, documentation and information. And it's, in our opinion, the best of the bunch. So, you know, it's not perfect, but it, it does a good job. We use GoToMeeting, which is actually probably a bit more legacy than Zoom or, or some of the other tools that, you know, other people use. Um, but what we like about it is its hoarding capabilities are really efficient. And so we, we use it for that reason, because a lot of times... You do it for meetings? We have a discussion with a customer. With customers? Yeah, we do it with meetings, primarily with customers. Mm. Um, and we do that because it works worldwide. And the recording is really seamless. And so we talk to our customers, we record it, we give them a copy of the discussion and us a copy. So that way, you know, if, if there's ever a doubt what was said, we can go back and listen to it. And so again, it's, you know, the kind of this constant transparency around um, information. 
Um, obviously, GitHub is where we do most of our development in terms of where we store our code and review our code and, and share information about the code we're creating. And then just, you know, various development tools and, and so forth. But in terms of communication, kind of the big three are Slack, initial tracking system, and then, you know, some sort of uh, video chat, whether it's GoToMeeting or, you know, occasionally we hop on a Hangout or we hang, you know, hop on a Zoom call or whatever. But that's kind of our, our trifecta of things we use. Sounds like good tools. Yeah, there's so many tools today making like communication and everything uh, better. Definitely making remote work more available and easier than uh, before. Yeah, some of those tools were not around, I think, in 2007, if I'm not mistaken. No, they were not. <laughs> yeah, we've gone through several iterations of like remote documentation tools, remote. I mean, we used to use Etherpad instead of Google Docs, which was actually acquired. The team that created it was acquired by Google to make Google Docs more collaborative in real time. Several chat solutions we've gone through, several support systems, several issue track. I mean, you know, if you look at everything we have, we've gone through at least three iterations of different projects or products that have improved greatly over time. Yeah, I mean, Slack was not here even just five years ago. It's so new. And in the same time, like, we take it for granted because it makes iOS Slack as well, communication so right. much better and so many tools as well. It's pretty amazing. Absolutely. So we're getting a bit uh, towards the end of the show. I thought we can end up with a few personal questions, if you don't mind. Sure. And what is a fun or exciting thing you've done this last one or two weeks? Last one or two weeks? Oh, um, well, it was exciting. I don't know if it was fun. I got stuck in exciting. New York with a big snowstorm a couple weeks ago <laughs> yeah, and got to spend an extra night in the airport. Actually, last week, we put on the first ever TypeScript conference. And TypeScript is an open source programming language from Microsoft that extends JavaScript. And we got to know the team really well. And um, we asked them when they were having the first conference last year. And they said, well, maybe you guys should put it on. So we did. So we had 220 people up at a really cool venue in Seattle and had some great talks and good food and good community and just a really nice, authentic event in person, which was really fun. Um, so yeah, that's probably the most exciting thing in the past two weeks was putting on that <laughs> conference. And, and um, you know, the, the entire TypeScript team was there. They have uh, a very well-known um, computer scientist, Anders, who's um, created TypeScript, or at least the founder of the language. And he gave the keynote and talked to the attendees and just a really wonderful day um, to, you know, share with the community as a whole. Sounds cool. And what are three things which you'll always leave your house with, uh, besides your phone and laptop, maybe? Besides my phone and laptop, well, and clothing, I assume, is always on that <laughs> it's list, important. too. Um, I guess um, sunglasses would be one. Uh, usually a bottle of water would be two, because I'm always thirsty, and I live in Arizona, where it's, it's always hot. Third is probably usually one of my kids or or my wife but i guess that's not always um you know it kind of depends from going to the gym or from going out to eat or or whatnot but i'm pretty predictable in terms of sunglasses <laughs> and something drink usually water yeah <laughs> uh, sounds good and dylan where people can find you online or find out more about siteban if they are also curious about uh, hearing about your service and what you guys can offer 
Sure. So sitepen.com, S-I-T-E-P-E-N.com is our website. And we have a extensive blog series there. Um, I'm Dylan Sheeman. You can find me on the blog on SitePen or um, you can find me on LinkedIn or on GitHub or wherever. Pretty much, you know, Twitter, all the different things. So Twitter, I'm Dylan S. GitHub, I'm Dylan S. LinkedIn, I'm Dylan Sheeman. Um, so again, you know, pretty easy to find. Uh, email is Dylan at SitePen.com. So not particularly cryptic. D-Y-L-A-N uh, is how you spell the name. All right. Well, uh, Dylan, thank you very much. Uh coming to the show today. It was a great time uh, speaking to you. Thanks for having me. Small quest before you leave. So if you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate to receive a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. That can really help. And we also would love to hear any feedback that you have. Anything else you want us to ask anyone coming to the show? Anything you want to change, improve, add, or something you like? Really, any feedback, we really, really appreciate it. Have a great day.